I know this family of four, mom and dad, a couple of kids. They were on holidays, and they met up with some friends, uh, another adult couple who didn't have children, but they met up together actually in the city of San Francisco. And the six of them went out for a really nice meal together, and uh, they, as they were exiting the restaurant, they paid their bill, and then they went out into the city and were walking for a while just to explore the area that they were in. It was a beautiful part of San Francisco. And after they'd gone a ways, the son started thinking. And he mentioned to the group something that was bothering him. He said, did they charge us enough in that restaurant for that meal? And the discussion unfolded, and very quickly we came to the point where they understood that they hadn't paid all that they should. And even though it was very inconvenient, back everyone trooped to the restaurant to sort it out. And one of the men said to the staff there, there was about three staff standing at the front desk there, and they said, uh, this is the amount we paid, and this is the number of people we have and you didn't charge us enough, and we need to pay more money. And the staff began to say over and over again, I can't believe you came back to pay more. Why would you do that? And they said it over and over again. You know, isn't it tragic that we live in a world where people are more shocked by integrity than they are by a lack of integrity? Think about that with me for a second. What is your integrity worth? They kept asking why, and it doesn't always work out this way, but the family was able to share with the staff, we came back because we're followers of Jesus. Because Jesus has changed our life, far from perfect, but when he changes your life, he, he starts to infuse himself in every part of your life, and so it impacts how you live your life, and we would love for you to have a relationship with him as well. What is your integrity worth? Integrity is one of those virtues that we're looking at in this series, Words to Live By. And there's six words in this series, and I'm encouraging everyone to just pick one of these words and dive deep into that word. Open God's word and discover what he has to say about this particular word or virtue. Uh, pray about it. Invite him to search your life to say, in practical terms, God, what does this word mean for me? And so the words that we've looked at, we began by looking in sort of a foundational way as we open the series from Psalm 92, we looked at the word flourishing or thriving, and it says there that those who are planted in the house of the Lord, the righteous, will flourish. And we differentiated the difference between simply going to church and starting to be the church, and moving away from a checking an attendance box to actually living this out. 
And then we talked the next week about honor and then loyalty. And next week on Thanksgiving weekend, we're going to talk about living in an entitled culture and having an attitude of gratitude or gratitude. And that'll be uh, one of them. And then finally, the word serving. Today, we want to talk about integrity. And in the book of Proverbs, it says this in Proverbs 11, the integrity of the upright guides them, but the unfaithful are destroyed by their duplicity. And you know, if you look at the news on the internet or however you take your news in, most days, I'm sad to say this, but most days, you see yet another example of a lack of integrity on display. And that athlete that everyone looked up to, admired the way they played and carried themselves, we find out they had a whole other life. Or that industry leader is shown to have been someone who said one thing and did something completely different. Or the pastor that had a double life. Or that friend that you thought you knew really well, you discover you didn't really know it all. What is integrity? Well, integrity is when our behavior matches the things we say about ourselves, the, say that, the things that we say we believe. It's, it, think of it as an integrated way of living life, an integrated lifestyle, a life that meshes with what you say. And it's different than reputation. Reputation is what other people think about you or say about you and how they perceive you, and this is the reputation that you have. Integrity is who you really are. What does God's Word have to say about this? If you have your Bible or your device, I'm going to ask you to turn with me to the Psalm, Psalm 15. And again, Psalms is found typically right here in the middle of your Bible. If you just open it in the middle, you'll find the Psalms, Psalm 15, and David is going to write to us about what integrity looks like. And as we read through these five verses together, you're just going to see the idea of integrity interwoven all through the passage, and it just comes off in every one of the verses. And so follow along with me as I read from Psalm 15. David says, Lord, who may dwell in your sanctuary? Who may live on your holy hill? He whose walk is blameless and who does what is righteousness, who speaks the truth from his heart and has no slander on his tongue, who does his neighbor no wrong and casts no slur on his fellow man, who despises a vile man but honors those who fear the Lord, who keep his oath even when it hurts, who lends his money without usury. And usury is, is taking advantage of someone that has no choice and charging them an exorbitant amount of interest. Who lends his money without usury and does not accept a bribe against the innocent. And then David says this, this is really cool. He says, he who does these things will never be shaken will never be shaken. What does it mean not to be shaken? Well, I'm going to suggest there's quite a number of things, but I'm just going to mention four, certainly not an exhaustive list, but let me talk about four of the things that 
David is speaking about will take place in the person's life who is a person who lives with integrity. First of all, he says in those first couple of verses, you're going to be able to walk closely with God. You're going to be able to have a healthy relationship with him. And really deep down in our heart, this is something God has put in our heart. This yearning, we may not even understand it, but there's this yearning in us, this desire to be filled, this desire to have purpose, this desire to have an eternal outlook on life. And this is something God has put in each person's life, whether we understand it or not. And he's saying, this, is allowed, this can take place in your life. You can walk closely with God when you're a person of integrity. It's kind of like, think of it, if I could illustrate it this way. Think in terms of a family. And if I, I'll, I'll pick my family. And it would be like if I imparted my values, these virtues, to my children, Aaron and Sean, who are now grown adults. And they choose to say, yeah, I'm going to adopt those virtues. I'm going to adopt those values. Don't you think that would allow us then to just be an increasingly close-knit family. It only makes sense, right? When we're working together out of the same set of principles, the same set of virtues, and we're trying to live life in light of those things, this just, it makes sense that we are going to be a more closely knit family. But if on the other hand, I have said to my kids, uh, Aaron and Sean, this is who the Dixons are. And this is what we stand for, and this is what we're going to live by. And, and let's say they said, no, they didn't say this, thankfully, but let's say they said as adults, forget it, Dad. We don't like your values. We don't agree with these virtues or living life in light of these. We're going to go out and we're going to live our life our own way. We're going to do our own thing. That's okay for you, but thanks, but no thanks for us. Now, as a dad... I will still love them. That's never going to change, right? They're my kids. I'm going to love them the rest of my life. They're this precious gift from God. But how close, think about it with me, how close will we end up being if we are doing life using a different set of playbooks? Think about how difficult it would be to be a close family. When we live according to God's values, these virtues that he's rolled out for us, it just makes sense that we can walk closely with him, that we can enjoy his presence daily, that we can do this moment by moment. And this is what David is talking about in those first couple of verses. It only makes sense. God is a God of pure integrity. And if we want to play out of the same playbook, it's just going to allow us to have a deeper and richer relationship with him. Secondly, he just says, you'll have a, a built-in guide. And I understand that when it comes to some of the things about God, there's lots of mystery. But for the most part, the Bible makes life so very, very clear that directly or indirectly, the scripture speaks to every part of life without exception. And the more we live in light of this, the more uh, sharpened our sense of integrity becomes. 
And there becomes less and less great choices in life because we can see when we have that closing, growing relationship with God, we can see how his scripture speaks to this situation, either directly or indirectly. And so we just have a built-in guide. It makes decision-making a lot easier, usually. Thirdly, there's, there, there's peace in your heart. When we live an integrated, integrity-based life, you're going to have a sense of peace in your life. Just, just think about it with me. When my head hits the pillow at night, if I'm a person of integrity, I'm not lying awake worrying, what if they find out about me? What if my secret comes out? What am I going to do? It's hard to sleep when you're living a life full of secrets you don't want anybody to know about. The flip side is, I don't know too many people who say to me, Scott, I lie awake at night thinking, oh, I hope no one finds out I did the right thing. Think about it with me. And this is what David is speaking about. Not being shaken, being at peace. I can go to sleep at night not being worried, what if I get caught? Lastly, you, uh, you gain trust, respect, honor, and influence in the culture. Now, I understand that every child makes their own choices. And every child will be accountable for those choices one day. They, they make choices in life. But if we as parents want to raise and heighten the possibility of raising great children, be a parent of integrity. Where, where your kid looks at you and they might think to themselves, you know what, I don't really agree with my dad. I don't agree with him. But one thing I'm going to say about my dad, what my dad says, my dad does. And even though I don't agree with him on X, Y, or Z, whatever the case is, and even though he's opened the door so that he and I can talk about it, and at the end of the day, I'm going to do what he says, I don't agree with him, but I will say this about him. What my dad says, my dad does. And, and if you're a child or a teenager and you're growing up in that kind of home, you're blessed. You're blessed to have parents that live out what they say. You should honor them for that. You should say, you know, Dad, I don't really agree with you on this, but man, do I respect you. Because you, Mom, you're a, you're, you're a person of integrity. And that takes courage in a world that would prefer typically to lie and take the easy way. At least it appears easy. If you want to be a person who's an influencer in the business world, be a person of your word. They'll want to do business with you. And they may not say it to your face, but they will respect you. And they will honor you. And there are a number of business people in our church that are just like that. 
and I watch their lives. And, and, and people want to be around them. People want to listen to a person like that. They often will seek their wisdom. They will often buy their product because they know this person can be trusted even when it costs them. He talks about that in verse 4, about keeping an oath. Now sadly, many people don't follow this approach, right? They're, they're what the scriptures call hypocrites. And the Greek word, if, you know, growing up in school, we all saw this, the Greek word for hypocrite is literally an actor. And you'll remember from your school days, probably the teacher, the English teacher talked to you about this, that in Greek plays, the actors would carry a series of sticks with masks or faces on them. And in order to play different roles in the big auditoriums they played in, they would just put a different mask in front of their face to represent the character that they were playing. And everyone understood that the mask is not who I really am. It's just who I'm pretending to be. I'm going to represent myself in one way, but that's not who I really am. And this was commonly understood then, and this is the root and the idea behind this word hypocrite. And the reality is as well that typically at some point or points in our life, we lack integrity. Certainly, and I'm not happy to have to admit this, but certainly that's been the case for me. I don't know about you, but it's certainly been the case for me at points in life. And as you read the Word of God, it's interesting to me that from what I can perceive, Jesus seems to be harder on hypocrites, particularly religious hypocrites, than he was on prostitutes and adulterers. Just read the stories of how he interacts with these people. Let's read one interaction of Jesus speaking with the religious hypocrites. And you can turn with me to the book of Matthew, which is the first book in the New Testament. And Jesus is inter interacting with the religious hypocrites of the day in Matthew chapter 23. These people are the intellectual elites of the society, the power brokers, of that society. They're the most intelligent bar none of anyone in the culture. Here's what he says to some of the Pharisees. Matthew 23, beginning in verse 25, he says, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgent. Blind Pharisee. First clean the inside of the cup and dish, and then the outside also will be clean. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You are like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of dead men's bones and everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside, you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside, you are full of hypocrisy and wickedness. So Jesus just really simply and clearly says, it all begins on the inside. Start on the inside and then work out. And live this integrated life 
of what I say is, is who I actually am. What is your integrity worth? You lie on the resume in order to get the job. I assume by that that your integrity is worth the money you're going to receive in compensation for that role. The office supplies you take home from work for personal use. I'm guessing your integrity is worth the cost of a stapler. Or the amount of money you falsely claim on your expense account. What is your integrity worth? Or the married lady, they're newly married, she and her husband, their resources were really tight, so they agreed no new clothes, this is what they said to one another, but she really liked new clothes even though they couldn't afford it. And so what she did is she would buy an outfit, she would hide it somewhere in the house for two months, And then she'd put it on and her husband would say, is that a new outfit? And she said, no, I've had it for months. Now, some of you are thinking, I am so jealous of her. Why didn't I think of that one? What is your integrity worth? Or in the business world, I'm just going to pad my bill. Because I know how much that company made last year, and they made a pretty significant profit. And we're hurting right now, and I'm sure based on their profits from last year, they can afford it, so I'm just going to, I'm just going to pad their bill and make it more than it really should be. Or this is what I hear sometimes now, it seems like the government is just throwing money at us right now. I'm going to get a piece of that pie even though I shouldn't, and it's wrong. I know how to work the system. What do you do when you realize you don't have integrity? Or that your integrity is just off in one of these areas? Let me suggest some things. It's time to make the decision to get to know Jesus. And I mean to truly know him. Not from a distance. Like, just in my gut, I'm just sensing right now in this time that many of us are dabbling with that. I can be casual and I can know Jesus from a distance. And I'm not talking about whether you're here physically in the building or watching this online. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm just talking about I sense there's a casualness, and I can know Jesus from a distance. It just doesn't work that way. It doesn't. Because our most natural inclination in life is towards sinful choices. Kind of, we kind of go that way fairly naturally. And the only way to know him really personally and in a way that reflects this virtue is to invite him, Scripture says, invite him by his Spirit to search our hearts and see if there's any wicked way in me. To invite the Spirit of God to search. And and he might point some things out and he may not. To invite the Spirit of God to fill me. And you know, in the Old Testament, 
There's three Hebrew words for this idea of being filled with the Spirit. And, and they all go together. You can't just pick one of them. They, they're, as well, they're integrated. And so the three Hebrew words mean to, to step away from. You can't just step away from something. Well, I was lying to my boss about this and doing this behind his back. You can't just step away because that creates a vacuum. So the, the second Hebrew words, you step away from, the second Hebrew word is, I step towards. And then, then the third Hebrew word is, I'm filled. Step away, I step towards, and then be filled. And then Jesus lives through me. And when the Spirit of God puts his finger on something specific in my life, and like I always say, it will not be general, and this, it will not be vague, and I often, often come across people that will say, well, I'm just a bad person, blah, blah, blah. That's not from God. He will always very specifically point it out so that it can be specifically dealt with. How can I deal with the idea of, oh, just in a general way, I'm a bad person? That's just a lie from the evil one to throw you off. And so the Spirit of God will throw something very specific in front of us. And when this happens, whatever it is, I'm convicted by it. I own it. I make no excuses. I don't try to minimize my choices and my behavior. I ask for Jesus to forgive me and to cleanse me for this. And I repent. And that literally means that Jesus helps me to turn and go in another direction. And I'm distressed by my choice. It bothers me. You know, David in Psalm 51, you know, he talks about like being scrubbed with hyssop and it keeps him up at night because he's distressed over his sin. And when God deals with it in his life and forgives him and cleanses him, there's this incredible release. And when it comes to this issue in particular of integrity, if I've misrepresented myself to someone, I find that person, and in my own words, you don't have to use my words, but in my, with these kind of ideas, I'm honest with them. And I, I say, I've lived a life of hypocrisy. I've been a play actor in front of you. And I am truly sorry for what I did. I was wrong. And then and only then do we ask them to forgive us. You know, we often don't like to really own our stuff. And so we, we do this half-hearted apology where we just come right to them. Debbie reminded me about this this week. She said, these are the games we like to play. We put all the pressure on them. I've, I've sinned against them. And I go to them and I don't own my stuff thoroughly. I don't talk about what I did and how wrong that was. I just say to them, will you forgive me? And so now all the pressure's on them to forgive me. No, it begins with me owning my stuff. And then they may or may not choose to forgive you. That's on them. You can't control that. And they likely won't trust you and probably shouldn't. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Trust and respect are earned. Honor is given. But when you come to them like that, 
if they're an honest person at all, they're going to say, this is a person of integrity. And now you have the, you've earned the right by doing that to begin to earn trust. And then simply by living in the power of the filling of the Spirit, we live out the words of Jesus. We read about them in Matthew chapter 5, verse 37. Listen to what, listen to what Jesus says. He says, simply. Just real simple. It's real simple, this stuff. It's not complicated. Simply let your yes be yes and your no, no. Anything beyond that comes from the evil one. Simply let your yes be yes and your no, no. In other words, be that integrated person, that person of integrity, that when you say something, even if it costs you, you're going to do it. Or, you know, don't, you know, I don't want to offend them, so I'll just say yes, but I have no intention of doing it. Just let your no be no. And because of Christ, because of being, living in the power of the fullness of the Spirit, increasingly, in an integrated way, our behavior begins to line up with our articulated, our spoken beliefs. You know, as I'm getting older, one of my fondest prayers, uh, the way I want to orient myself in life it's an idea that's based in 1 Samuel chapter 12. I won't read those verses now, but you read those first five or six verses. And what happens in there is that Samuel the prophet is coming to the conclusion of his public ministry. And he stands up in front of the community and he basically says this to them. If I, I'd summarize it like this, free shots. Free shots, boys. And then he says words like this. Have I lived a life of integrity? If I haven't or if I've wronged you, tell me what I did wrong and I'll seek to make it right. No, just don't throw out vague stuff. Tell me what I did wrong and I'll try to make it right. If what I said didn't line up with what I did, show me where that was the case because I want to make it right. And Samuel gets up and he says, three shots. And I, you know, I've got a ways to go, but at the end of my time in full-time ministry, one of my fondest wishes would be to stand up and say, free shots. Did Scott actually do what Scott claimed he would do? Did my heart, my words, my actions align with God's word? And when they didn't, and sometimes they don't, did I deal with that with integrity? Did I, did I repent where I needed to? Did I make things right? Now, some people will probably say, well, we don't like you very much, Scott, or we don't like your style, or we didn't agree with what you did here or what you did there. Fair enough. To be honest with you, uh, anybody that knows me well knows I don't always agree with myself either. I'm not, and, and anybody that really knows me knows what I meant by what I just said. I'm not talking about any of that. Do I, did I do what I claim to do? Was I a person of integrity? 
And I think with that settled and processed well, that would be a really good way to check out. Really good way. Flourishing, honor, loyalty, next week, gratitude, serving. Pick one of those virtues, dive deep. Today's was integrity.